Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Wednesday, September the 26th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we've got the All-22 to examine, the Ryan Tannehill passing chart, the defensive breakdowns, and how creative design in the running game made Adam Gaze look like the master, while John Gruden looked like the novice on Sunday. Plus, we'll talk to Mark Schofield of Locked On Patriots, examine the power rankings, and talk about Miami's blue chip talent. But first, before any of that, I first have to kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review once you're there. Give me a follow on Twitter, at NFL. You can find my work at LockedOnDolphins.com. I have been featured in the Palm Beach Post, Fan Rag Sports, and a bunch of other publications. You can follow the show at LockedOnFins. And like I said, LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the Locked On Network. Daily content for you guys there every single day from our entire team of writers. Fantastic stuff all day long, all week long. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We don't have any injury news yet to get to today. We'll talk about it on tomorrow's podcast. So let's go ahead and crank this one up. That's another Miami Dolphins. Wednesday podcast means we have the Tuesday All-22 review to get to. And first, let's go ahead and start off with the Ryan Tannehill passing chart. You guys can find that up on LockedOnDolphins.com. We are going to chart every throw, every drop back of Ryan Tannehill's 2018 season. You guys can find that on the website. This was his best game of the year without question. He was accurate. He was throwing to the intermediate portion of the field with absolute success. His mechanics, his pocket navigation all look sharp. But let's talk about his eye discipline and how far that has come because this is one of those things that isn't really tangible, at least to the broadcast version or the general fan, casual fan, so to speak. And when you heard Tannehill say that learning the game from an outside perspective, being away from the game from afar, had a beneficial impact on him, stuff like this is what he is referring to. His ability to hold that safety with his eye movement and come back to his one, the first read, he's showing more of that than he ever has in the past. And if anybody would know that, wouldn't that be me, the guy that has literally put each of his career dropbacks on slow-mo and broken them down time and time again? I mean, this isn't some kind of I told you so, but vindication is pretty nice, and I feel absolutely vindicated for all the heat I've taken about Ryan Tannehill over the last two years. And yes, he still has a lot more to prove, but right now he is exactly where I thought he would be absolutely balling. In that game on Sunday, he saw pressure only 19% of his dropbacks, half the amount from the 40% last week. The average time from snap to pressure was 2.3 seconds. Tannehill completed three out of four passes under duress for 49 yards and a touchdown on Sunday. They averaged 9.3 air yards per throw. So this offense got vertical in a big time way. He was three out of five passing the football 20-plus yards down the field, and 4-for-4 four four in the 11-19 to 19 yard range, which brings him to 11-for-12 on the season in that intermediate range. He has been spot-on, very accurate, fantastic work from the Miami quarterback. And when you look at contested catches, throwing the ball into tight windows or into coverage, 
Tannehill was four for six with 92 yards and a touchdown on that. And I gave Devontae Parker a drop for that deep post route because I think a body like that having inside position, he has to block him out and get his hands on that football and make that play. Credit to DRC for making the breakup, Dominique rogers Camardi, but Parker has to make that play. All things told, Tannehill was accurate on 19 out of 23 throws. I had, I had zero mental errors from him, and they converted 12 out of 26 dropbacks into a first down. That 46.2% first down rate was the best of the season by far. So a good showing from the Dolphins offense, a good showing from the Dolphins quarterback. Let's continue on here and talk about the protection he got because I mentioned how much better it was in this game compared to week number two. And we talked about the offensive line getting the job done in pass protection. And Laramie Tunzel, this guy is a home run draft pick, fellas. Those feet are finally working in unison with the rest of his body, up through his hips, up through his shoulders, and through his hands. He's controlled, he's strong, he's dropping that anchor and working within the framework of his body, which gives you balance and power. He's doing that consistently now, finally in year three. And the same goes for Jawan James. These guys are a great tackle tandem, and there are not many teams in the NFL that can say that right now. James had a fantastic kickout block on Tahir Whitehead when he pulled off the outside of the line for Jakeem Grant's first touchdown. Now on the inside part of the offensive line, it's not as good. It's been good enough. We've obviously noted that the pass protection has been good. Run blocking is another story, but this group as a whole is still struggling immensely with the stunts. And I think losing Josh Sitton has a lot to do with that, but you have to be pleased with the offensive line play so far this season. As for the wide receivers, I still can't fathom why Devontae Parker and Danny Amendola got triple the snaps of Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson, but that is what it is. I think each of these five guys, I'll say something nice about Parker and Amendola, I think they all offer something unique, and we're going to use this basketball-like starting five squad in a variety of ways, and I think everyone has a part in contributing to scoring points and winning games on this offense, and Gaze certainly showed that on Sunday with the different looks each of those guys got. Adam Gaze is absolutely feeling himself right now as a play caller with this bunch he has in Miami most notably on the touchdown pass from Albert Wilson to Jakeem Grant. That came off a variation from the play in the Tennessee Titans game, and I tweeted it out at Wingfield NFL. You guys can find that video comparison showing the exact same look, a different wrinkle, and taking advantage of the defense falling into the same trap that the Raiders were going after all day over and over again against the Dolphins' running game. As far as the defense, Vince Taylor needs to be talked about. He has great power, lateral movement. He's a hustle player. His pass rush moves are getting better. His violent hands are absolutely taking control of the guy he goes across from every game. This dude is absolutely balling right now. He and fellow sophomore late round draft pick Devon Godshaw were absolute finds in the fifth and sixth round. And stuff like that is how you're able to walk away from a $20 million player, an all-pro player in Dominican Sue. And these guys have picked up the slack in a big, big way. Godshaw has that low pad level and the tree trunk lower half, which helps him impact the run game every single week. And speaking of impact in the running game, Turn on Cam Wakes all 22 because he was brilliant on Sunday, both against the run and the pass. We talked about his five pressures and the one sack where he did his patented speed to power move where he gets into the right tackle, pushes him back into the quarterback, and then disengages at the last minute and makes the stop. But he also dented the edge in the running game consistently in this game. And the reverse to Martavis Bryant that went nowhere. That play had the potential to be a touchdown if Cameron Wake doesn't knife in and force Bryant to take about five or seven yards back around the play and allow the Dolphins defense to rally. Other players on the Dolphins defense, Jerome back covering the flat looks really good. His athleticism shows up pretty regularly on Sundays. I'm excited about his future. 
Kiko Alonso, same old story. Got to keep him clean. If he gets up in the wash, he is absolutely useless against the run and pass. Raekwon, a pretty balanced mix of really good and pretty bad so far this year. Same case on Sunday. Xavier Howard, you can play that guy in any coverage. You can give him help. You can put him on an island. You can play him in zone. You can play him in man. He is just so good in his technique. That inside hand jam, the feet, everything working really good for number 25 right now. He's going to get a big time payday from the Miami Dolphins. And there was a lot more stuff to clean up in this game on the defensive side. But getting Rashad Jones back will make a big impact on this team because there was a lot of communication issues in this game from the Dolphins secondary. I think that gets fixed when number 20 is back in the lineup. But all things told, Dolphins are 3-0, first place in the AFC East by two games. And speaking of that AFC East, we have a pivotal showdown on Sunday in Foxborough. We're going to talk to Mark Schofield of Locked On Patriots next. But first, a word from my bookie. And you guys know that ever since I started this podcast, I get asked for advice all the time. Usually, it's which team should I bet on. And no matter who you bet on, it's just as important about who you're betting with. And that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys. They are the best bet you'll make this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is very easy to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie where you win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And since my bookie is slammed with new bettors and wants to give everyone the best possible service, if you're willing to deposit your money after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when you use promo code locked on. That's one word, locked on, to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today, that's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, and don't forget to use the promo code Locked On when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play money. And like I said, if you're willing to hold out until after 7 p.m., get that extra $25 free play with promo code LOCKEDON25. That's one word, LOCKEDON25, for a free $25 free play when you deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern. MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. And joining the podcast now is the host of the Locked On Patriots podcast. He is Mark Schofield. Mark, what's going on, my friend? Travis, buddy, it's great to be with you, my friend. Always good catching up with you, and we got a chance to talk a few minutes uh, before we hit record, and it was good to catch up. And I got to say, man, you guys got to be excited right now. I mean, 3 0 chance to really establish you guys as like the team in the AFC East. You got to be feeling good about where you are right now. Very, very excited, especially when I had the 3 0 prediction, but I did have things come crashing down this week on us. And I want that was actually the first subject I was going to bring up to you was the fact that last time we talked, I actually looked at our Skype log, was eight months ago and the I guess general tone of that conversation was big brother to little brother and and you being the big brother and now here we are we have a chance for the Dolphins to kind of flip that script on Sunday yeah it's amazing how quickly fortunes can change in the National Football League I mean you look at you know whether it's the Eagles last year winning the Super Bowl or the Dolphins or the way that they've started you know a a team like the Browns now where they've gone from you know an 0-16 season to now feeling some level of excitement about you know maybe winning I mean I was on a Browns show today and they're talking you know winning seven eight games I mean fortunes can change so quickly in the NFL that's why people love the draft so much that's why people love free agency so much because in this day of so 
you know, parity, there's that belief that, look, our team with just a couple of right breaks and a couple of good moves, we can flip the script. And we're seeing it play out right now in the AFC East in a way nobody probably imagined. I was looking back at the 2016 draft class for the Dolphins. They landed Laramie Tunzel, Kenyon Drake, uh, Jakeem Grant, and Xavier Howard in that class. So like you said... Yeah, one- I mean... Ha- Travis, have those names done anything this this season? Oh, they probably... it seems to be you can make a case that, for example, Xavier Howard might be one of the best corners in the AFC, if not the league right now. And so, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Without Grant and Howard, they lose that game to the Raiders, no question about it. So they've had a huge impact. And Laramie Tunzel starting locked down that left side. But that's not what you're here for, Mark, to talk about the Dolphins. I want to know... Is this Patriots team, you know, there are there somewhat reeling coming into this game? Are we going to see, you know, the classic Belichick slump buster Patriots that just embarrasses the poor saps unfortunate enough to draw them after a loss? Or is it going to be kind of the same thing going forward? You know what's funny, Travis? I think a lot of people expected that type of performance from New England last week. You know, they come off the game against Jacksonville, the AFC Championship rematch, and people are like, okay, yeah, they're going to Detroit, but... You know, the lines are 0-2. They can't stop anybody on the ground. Stafford has struggled at times. This is going to be like that, you know, we're on to Cincinnati type game where they have the bad game against Kansas City. They come back and they blow out Cincinnati. People are thinking the same thing was going to happen last week. And it didn't. And that is just like the latest step in a number of, whether it's incidents, you know, grumblings off the field, trade rumors, whatever, books, articles, losses, that just you could add it to the pile or like the bricks on the shoulders of the average Patriots fan right now because ever since that Super Bowl loss, it's been Gronk's going to retire, Brady might retire, Gronk might get traded, Belichick's going to be the subject of a book where he's talking about a you know potential divorce from Brady, and you know then the Gronk trade again coming out last week and they lose to Jacksonville and they lose to Detroit, and it just seems like ever since that Super Bowl. It's just been this general sense of fear and unease and uncertainty about this team, you know, the Patriots fan base, and it's starting to creep into the media. Now people are questioning Sony Michelle and whether he was, you know, worth the pick in the first round or if he's a bust already after just two games where he missed all of the preseason due to injury. And so, you know, I'd like to sit here from a Patriots perspective and say, yeah, you know, this will be your typical, okay, everybody's doubting us. They're going to come out and just blow out a divisional rival in a game that they kind of need to win to get themselves just back to 500. But I don't know. I don't. I honestly don't know, Travis. We sort of thought that might be the performance last week. It didn't materialize. And now I just don't know what we're going to expect from this team on Sunday. I think I tweeted out something like, yeah, the Patriots are going to win tonight by 400 points, but still we have a chance to beat them next week and get two games ahead in the division. Now it's three games after that loss. And you mentioned Sony Michelle. Let's stick on the offensive side of the ball and the Patriots running game. Now Miami had its toughest day against the run on Sunday, but I say that lightly because they were still pretty good. But there was a lot of power and lead stuff that got them out of what they do best. So can the Patriots get some footing against a very good Miami run defense this week? My inclination tells me no. And, and Travis, there's two problems with the Patriots' run game right now. For example, you look at you know Sony Michelle. Let's stick with him right now. That game against Detroit, he carried the ball 15 times. 14 of those, he was a single back with Brady under center. So there's a, pr- a predictability and a numbers tendency that's at work here. And just in terms of Michelle's touches alone, he's touched the ball when he's been in the game on 72% of his snaps. Meaning if he's in, Teams have a pretty good idea that he's going to get the ball somehow, whether it's on the ground, especially if Brady's under center, or as a target in the passing game. And so they, they've been predictable 
on offense, which is something you do don't usually associate, you know, with Josh McDaniels. And when it comes down to scheme, whether it's zone versus power, they've had some success on one or two plays with some, you know, crack toss sweep stuff. They've had success on a couple of plays with some zone stuff, but they've been missing assignments up front. They've been getting beat up front. You know, they, they had a couple of third and shorts last week against Detroit on one, you know, Dwayne Allen got blasted off of the edge. He gets stood up by a corner. You know, which shouldn't happen on another Shaq Mason. I don't know if he didn't hear the snap count. I don't know if he got off the line slow, but he got driven back into Michelle's lap in the backfield. And that was on two different schemes, one power, one zone. And so, again, I, you know, it sounds like I'm not the best guest in the world because I just don't know. It doesn't <laughs> seem right now like they can't get the ground game going. And that was part of the talk going into that game last week was Detroit can't stop anybody on the ground. Obviously, the week before, Matt Breda had the 66-yard touchdown run. Ricky Jean-Francois is the only halfway decent run defender they have, and he's a cast-off from New England of all places. So, of course, New England expects to come out and establish the run, and they never got it going. Well, and I'm, so oh. sitting here right now, I just I, I just don't think they can get a ground game going absent, you know, a real sort of turnaround in both, you know, being more diverse in how they use personnel and better execution up front. Well, as Dolphins fans, we'll certainly accept that dubious kind of demeanor you have in your tone. It's it's definitely a change from what we've seen in the past. And you mentioned yeah. Sony Michelle. He was actually my rookie of the year pick this year. I just thought him and that offense was going to be James White and Deion Lewis put together and just a superstar player. And let's stick with that passing game in regards to attacking this Dolphins defense. I don't know what the Dolphins' plan is for Rob Gronkowski, whether it's bracketing him or just putting Xavier Howard on him. But if they do take Gronk out of the game the way the Lions did, how are the rest of the Patriots pass catchers going to attack this Miami cornerback group, which all of a sudden is pretty damn good because outside of Xavier Howard, you have Minka Fitzpatrick and Bobby McCain who are both playing good ball. Again, you know, I'm a broken record here, but I don't know because a problem with the Patriots pass game right now is a lack of the ability for guys other than Gronkowski to get separation. And we saw this on Sunday night where if it got to be a third and seven or third and eight type situation, obvious passing down, money down type of moment, they would just bracket Gronkowski with two defenders on him and then nobody else could get separation on routes downfield. And it wasn't just, you know, they were running the same route. They would try different things. They would try different combinations. They would go deep game. They would go vertical. They would go quick game. Hogan wasn't getting separation. Patterson wasn't getting separation. Dorsett wasn't getting separation. And when you add that to the fact that, yeah, Tom Brady probably had a bad night Sunday night. There were some throws that when they actually did get guys open or they were able to take advantage of some zone coverage looks, Brady missed throws high. He missed throws behind receivers. He had two in the first quarter alone that were pretty pivotal. And so – it's a struggle for them in the pass game. They need to get Edelman back, number one. Obviously, he won't be able to go this week. He's still got one more game on his suspension. The hope in New England, and at least in some circles, is that you get Josh Gordon at least involved somehow. He always he was inactive against Detroit. The hope, I think, is you could use him to at least run a package of 10 to 15 plays, do some stuff to take the top off the defense a little bit, maybe create some space schematically because right now, you know, Hogan's just not getting consistent separation at all unless it's sort of those juke and pivot routes, which isn't really his game anyway because he's more of an outside receiver. You know, Dorsett, unless he's schemed open, doesn't seem to get separation. Patterson's more of a gadget-type receiver. You know, there's also some hope that they get Jacob Hollister back, who's, you know, their number two tight end, who's more of a move-type guy. You know, they like what he can do. They had him involved early against Jacksonville. He was inactive last week with a chest injury that he apparently suffered during the week of practice. But, you know, 
there's uncertainty there too. So from a you know glass half full type of view, they get Hollister back. Gordon's able to contribute somewhat, and that opens things up. But if it's the same package of players we saw against Detroit, they're going to struggle to get separation. Well, your confidence in the offense sounds like it's kind of lacking at this point. Let's flip it over to the other side of the ball on defense, and I'm not sure it gets much better there. It looks like Dante Hightower is kind of knocking off some rust at this point, and if Trey Flowers isn't ready to go, I'm not really sure. How is this Patriots defense going to create pressure against a passing game in Miami that has been really good in pass protection, and are they getting Trey Flowers and Patrick Chung back this week? The hope is that both Chun and Flowers are going to be back. They both missed the last game against Detroit due to concussion, but it does seem like they're going to be in a better position to be able to go you know, against Miami. So that's the good news from a Patriots perspective. The bad news is you know, the problems stem from an inability to get pressure with four up front. So that makes New England have to resort to blitzing. And then when they go blitz, they got to sometimes play man behind it. And th- people like myself and others were screaming all offseason and draft season, they got to get more athletic at the second level. They drafted Juwan Bentley, who's more of a, people thought, a two-down thumper type at the linebacker spot from Purdue. Now, he showed in preseason games that he could perhaps be a better pass defender than people gave him credit for, but it hasn't really translated to the actual regular season game so far. You mentioned Dante Hightower. It may be rust. It may be something worse than that because to me and to other Patriots fans, it seems like he's just more than a step slow right now. And I'm reading other people. I think it was Mike Lombardi who's talking about the Patriots right now on Twitter saying you could just make him a full-time defensive end because he's not athletic enough anymore to play linebacker. And that feeds into the whole issue of an inability to be athletic at that second level and cover those crossing routes. And Travis, you probably know this better than anybody. I mean, For the New England Patriots right now, they can't get pressure with force. They have to blitz. They're not athletic enough at the second level to cover crossing routes. Does that sound like it might be a problem this Sunday for the New England Patriots? I would say so, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the fear going in is that you're going up against a team and an offensive-minded head coach that loves to run crossing routes, that loves to do stuff underneath. That's the type of offense he's built. It seems to be successful now. You saw that touchdown pass to Albert Wilson last week that was on a crossing route. I mean, actually, it was two weeks ago against mm-hmm. the Jets, but that's the type of offense that is built to be successful against this New England defense right now. It just seems like a bad situation, a bad moment for New England to catch Miami, from my point of view, but it's a great moment, I think, for you guys to catch this New England defense. Well, yeah, that three-game that three game lead in the division was the head-to-head tiebreaker. Would just really, it would do wonders for this team, this organization, and its fan base. And you mentioned the Dolphins' offense, which has been kind of a weekly adaptation so far. So from a Patriots fan perspective, Two questions for you here, Mark. I got to ask with the quarterback because you are the ultimate quarterback guy. But on the Dolphins offense, outside of quarterback, who worries you the most? And as a follow-up, what is your view of Ryan Tannehill so far in 2018? Well, I mean, let's let's start with Tannehill first because I, I think we're starting to see Tannehill be more comfortable and confident and decisive in this offense. And I, I think what part of that is, you know, the ability to sort of have the experience in Gase's system, even though he wasn't playing – the familiarity with that, I think, has been very impressive. And so you see some of the decisions, some of the throws, some of the reads that he's made so far this season, whether it's last week, the week before against the Jets. You know, I, I think he's definitely one of the better quarterbacks in the league right now. And I think the numbers sort of back it up. The tape sort of backs that up as well. And when you look at, you know, taking a step back and looking at the weapons around him, you're getting contributions from, you know, not just guys like Wilson and Grant, um, Amendola's, you know, 
stepped up. Stills has stepped up. You're getting some stuff from, you know, the two young tight ends as well. And so, you know, I think this is an offense that has some weapons now. They're obviously, you know, working. You, know, you mentioned Kenya Drake in the run game. They're still getting something from Frank Gore. I mean, it's a bunch of guys that are eerily similar to those Patriots teams, those do-your-job type things where, you know, guys know their role, they know their assignments, and they carry them out. And sometimes that's what it takes to be successful in the NFL. And so far, that's what we're seeing from this Miami Dolphins offense. It's been so much fun. And I talked about all offseason how this ball distribution offense was going to be better than the force-fed offense that was based around Jarvis Landry and his Skill set that, although good, is somewhat limited. So we've seen that big time. And I made a good joke on Twitter talking, at least I'm going to call it a good joke, that I called this a ball distribution offense, but I wasn't talking about one single play when the Dolphins had four players touch the football. So it's been a lot of fun, Mark. Before I get you out of here, I got to ask you, what is your prediction for the game come Sunday? You know, I... I still think New England wins this game. I, I do think that they find a way somehow, some way to piece together what they need to do to get a, a win out of this. But I will say that I am, you know, out of all three games so far this season on the Patriots schedule, uh, this is the one that I've been, given how they've looked so far, given how Miami's looked, this is the one I'm least confident in the New England Patriots pulling out a victory. I mean, I, I'm less confident about this game than I was about that Jacksonville game down in Jacksonville. And so I would say 24-21 New England, but... If you're asking me to put money on that, I would never do it. I, it's not a situation I feel comfortable. <laughs> as much as we love our good friends over at my bookie, yeah. not a ch- not a <laughs> chance, my friends. I would I will advise people. Like for example, Travis, I'll tell you this: my parents they're in a survivor, not a survivor pool, a confidence pool. Yeah. And every, you know, Thursday I get the text messages because it's due Thursday afternoon. Okay, what about this game? What about this game? What about this game? And this is a week where I'm definitely going to say, okay, take the New England Patriots. But that's your one-point game. You're not putting any more value on that game than the, than that single point because that's how little confidence I actually have in the Patriots winning this game. Well, it sounds like our our uh, our listeners here need to get over to my bookie and put money on the Dolphins. I think it's plus seven right now, according to Mark, with a three-point win for the Patriots. I kind of feel the same way. I feel like if you know the matchup is there for the Dolphins, but these are the kind of games the Patriots just seem to grind out, like you mentioned. So I'm kind of on your side right there. I'll probably have a better feeling come the end of the week when I get some more tape study. Once again, he is Mark Schofield. He's the host of the Locked On Patriots podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. He writes for Pro Football Weekly, The Score, Matt Waldman's rookie scouting profile. He does fantastic stuff on the quarterbacks and everything else. Mark, thank you so much for doing this with me tonight, man. Travis, thanks so much for having me on, buddy. Keep crushing it over at Locked On Dolphins and enjoy the game this weekend. I appreciate it, buddy. And once again, these Crossover Wednesday podcasts continue just to kill it. I'm probably going to have to cut some content off the back of this podcast for you guys. We'll get to the third segment here in a minute. But first, a word from our friends over at Vivid Seats. And by now, you guys know that Vivid Seats is an online ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that will last a lifetime. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, the show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all those live events you want to go to, and you can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo for new customers to receive $20 off orders more than $200 to save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your order as long as it's more than $200 as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase 
is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and the games to the hottest theater and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Download that app, enter promo code Locked On for 20 bucks off your order of $200 or more for new Vivid Seats customers. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. All right, guys, let's go ahead and finish this podcast up here in the C block. And it's really hard to follow that crossover content just because the other host of the other teams do such a good job of giving us an in-depth look at those teams. And no one's better than Mark Schofield. Honestly, follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. You will find tons of great content just with the Patriots and the NFL in general. And we were going to talk about power rankings and some star player potential for the Miami Dolphins, but we're kind of short on time, so we'll do that later in the week. But first, I have to get you guys caught up on some roster updates as the Dolphins made some changes in the middle of this recording. We all know that William Hayes was sent to the IR with that season-ending knee injury. Andre Branch going to be out for a couple of weeks with his own knee injury. And as a result, the Dolphins called up Jonathan Woodard, the undrafted free agent extraordinaire who really shined in the preseason. He gets called up to the active roster and also signed as defensive end Cameron Malveaux. He comes back to the practice squad for the Miami Dolphins. And they didn't stop there. They worked out eight players in total, and they signed a linebacker coming out of the University of Arkansas, Martel Spate. He will join the Miami Dolphins' active 53-man roster. They also hosted Rob Ayers and Coney Ely defensive ends who figured to replace William Hayes and Andre Branch on the outside. So those are your roster moves for this Tuesday podcast. And we'll have plenty more content for you guys covering those New England Patriots. We'll have the preview podcast on Thursday, as always. We'll get your Twitter questions going. But as for this podcast, that's going to be my time tonight, guys. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.